This is the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. This is episode 103, entitled, The Predicted Death of Mark's Son of Man. The Biblical Unitarian Podcast, if you didn't already know, is the podcast that aims to start conversations about the oneness and unity of God and about the humanity of Jesus. Hopefully our podcast has encouraged you to have those very important conversations. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Dustin Smith, and as always, I will be your host. We are nearing the conclusion of our ongoing study regarding the meaning of Son of Man in the Gospel of Mark. Thus far, we have noted that Mark portrays the Son of Man as a human being who bears the authority of the one God. This authority includes, but is not limited to, God's prerogative to forgive sins. We also observed that the Son of Man is a figure who is mortal since he dies and requires aid from the one God to be raised back to life. Lastly, the Son of Man is a representative figure for human beings, which identifies him too as a member of humanity. The Son of Man is never depicted as the incarnation of the true God or as a heavenly angel who assumes flesh. The Son of Man is a man. He is a human being. In this week's episode, we will set out to solve an interesting riddle regarding the Son of Man and his fate. Twice in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says that, It is written that the Son of Man must be given over to the hands of his oppressors to suffer and to die. Unfortunately, Mark does not tell us which passage he is thinking about when he says regarding this terrible fate that, quote, it is written, end quote. In fact, there are no explicit passages in the Old Testament where a Son of Man figure suffers and dies, further complicating our study. What passage might Jesus have in mind, and what does this passage tell us about the Christological meaning of the title Son of Man? Let's find out on this week's episode of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. Our first point today is looking at the Son of Man's rejection foretold in Scripture. I'm going to read four of the Son of Man passages out of Mark that talk about his impending doom, suffering, betrayal, and death. First one is going to come out of Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 12. And he said to them, Elijah does first come and restore all things, and yet how is it written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished, just as it is written of him. Mark chapter 9, verses 12 through 13. Moving on to verse 31. For he was teaching his disciples and telling them, 
the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Let's look at Mark 10, starting in verse 32. They were on the road going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was walking ahead of them. And they were amazed, and those who followed were fearful. And again, he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him and spit on him and scourge him and kill him, and three days later he will rise again. Mark chapter 10, verses 32 through 34. And finally, in Mark 14, verse 21, Jesus says, For the Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. Mark 14, 21. Mark quite regularly portrays Jesus speaking of his upcoming betrayal, suffering, and death. In doing so, as we have seen in the four passages quoted, Jesus speaks of himself and the terrible things that are going to happen to him as the Son of Man. In fact, as many as eight passages in Mark can be cited to demonstrate that it is precisely Jesus as the Son of Man who will be betrayed, who will suffer, die, and rise from the dead. This repeated emphasis surely has to mean something. Why is Mark stressing that the Son of Man, the special human agent of the one God, is the one to suffer and die? In regard to our present study, I want to call attention to two of these suffering Son of Man passages we looked at, specifically Mark 9, verse 12, and 14, verse 21. These passages indicate that Jesus regarded the betrayal, mistreatment, and suffering of the Son of Man to be something that was written about him. The phrase, quote, it was written, end quote, regularly denotes something mentioned within the Hebrew Bible, which was the Jewish Bible during the time of Jesus' ministry. In other words, Mark depicts Jesus on two occasions as referencing the betrayal and suffering of the Son of Man as something already written within the Hebrew Bible. Unfortunately for us modern readers of Mark, Mark does not tell us which passage Jesus had in mind. Early Christians found significant passages within the Old Testament that they felt foretold the suffering and death of Jesus, such as Isaiah chapter 53, Psalm 22, and Hosea chapter 6. But none of these passages mention the Son of Man, and Jesus seems to clearly regard the Son of Man as the one written about. I want to explore the possibility that Jesus looked to Daniel chapter 7 as the passage that wrote about the demise of the Son of Man. Now, some will immediately discount this suggestion 
because the Son of Man is not explicitly described as suffering and dying in Daniel chapter 7. And that is certainly true. However, as we have demonstrated in our most recent episodes of the Biblical Unitarian Podcast, Jesus regarded himself as Daniel's Son of Man, particularly as a title of the human representative of the people of God. And it is this role of the human representative of God's people that is the key, in my opinion, to discerning how Daniel chapter 7 plausibly fits as the passage to which Jesus was referring in Mark's gospel. So let's take a look at the relevant verses in Daniel chapter 7. Our second point today is a potential passage that Jesus regarded as foretelling the rejected Son of Man. I'm going to read quite a few verses out of Daniel chapter 7. I'm going to start in verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a Son of Man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. I'm going to continue reading in the passage in Daniel 7, starting in verse 21. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the holy ones and overpowering them until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the holy ones of the highest one. And the time arrived when the holy ones took possession of the kingdom. The passage goes on to say that he, the little horn, will speak out against the Most High and wear down the holy ones of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in time and in law, and they will be given into his hand for time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty the dominion and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the holy ones of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom and all the dominions will serve and obey him. That's Daniel 7 verses 21 through 27. So there are some really important points that we want to get out of this passage. First, we can note in verse 13 that we have the initial introduction of the Son of Man figure, which is a human being that is distinct from the Ancient of Days. Clearly, the Ancient of Days represents God, the true God. In verse 21, we note that there is the act of waging war against the Holy Ones. And the little horn, the one waging war against the Holy Ones, is also overpowering them until the Ancient of Days passed judgment and vindicated them. We can also note in verse 25 that we again see the Holy Ones being worn down, the Holy Ones being given into the hand 
of the little horn, again, until a time came for deliverance. And then in verse 27, which is very important, we can see that the deliverance is a transfer of authority to the people, the people who are represented in verse 13 as the one like a son of man. So let's take a step back and assess what we do know about this passage. The one like a son of man is a representative figure for, as verse 27 describes, the people of the Holy Ones of the Most High. It is reasonable to assume, then, that the Son of Man represents the suffering that happens to these persons. That suffering is described as war being waged against the people, the overpowering of the people, until God intervenes with vindication. We also saw that the people that are represented by the Son of Man are worn down and given into the hand of the oppressor until God intervened and delivered them. It is not unreasonable to see how Jesus regarded himself as the Son of Man, that is, a figure who represents people who suffer, who are given into the hands of their oppressors, who are worn down, until God steps in and intervenes. We should also recall that the ultimate redemption mentioned in the book of Daniel is bodily resurrection, according to Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2. Personally, I find this theory convincing, specifically regarding Daniel chapter 7 as the passage Jesus was thinking about when he talked about the Son of Man being betrayed and handed over just as it was written. Especially when I compare Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 with one of the Son of Man sayings in Mark. And so I want to look at a Son of Man saying in Mark and Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25 very closely as parallel passages. Because I believe that in Mark 9.31, Jesus is deliberately alluding to Daniel 7, verse 25. Let's look at those connections, but I want to recall those verses first. Mark chapter 9, verse 31, as Jesus saying, The Son of Man is to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and when he has been killed, he will rise three days later. That again is Mark 9.31. Now I want to reread Daniel 7.25. He will speak out against the Most High, he being the little horn, the oppressor, and he will wear down the Holy Ones of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in time and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Daniel 7, verse 25. And so I note in these two passages, Mark 9, 31 and Daniel 7, 25, three points of connection. The first point of connection is the use of the passive verb to hand over, which in Greek is paradidome. And so we can see it in Mark chapter 9, verse 31, 
the verb specifically is parathithote, which is just the passive form. And then in the Septuagint of Mark 7.25, we have the same verb, parathothesite, both which are the passive form of the verb parathithome. And the Septuagint version of Daniel 7 verse 25 is a literal rendering of the Aramaic verb yahav, which means to hand over. So both in Daniel 7 and in Mark chapter 9, we have the suffering figures handed over to their oppressor. The second point of connection is the use of the prepositional phrase into the hands of. So we can see both in Mark 9.31 and Daniel 7.25, the phrase into the hands of, that the suffering figures are handed over into the hands of their oppressor. So in Mark 9.31 in Greek, we have the prepositional phrase in Greek, is, kiros, anthropon, into the hands of men. And in Daniel 7 and verse 25, in the Septuagint, we have is, tos, kiros, avtu, into his hands, which is an accurate rendering of the Aramaic prepositional phrase, be, day. Our third point of connection is the promise of deliverance after a brief period. So both in Mark chapter 9, 31 and Daniel 7, 25, we have the promise of deliverance from the true God after a brief period. And so in Mark 9, 31, we see that Jesus will rise three days later, three days being a short period. And in Daniel 7, verse 25, it says that they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. And so that is generally time being one time, times being two and a half time. So you have one plus two plus a half. You get three and a half, which is the cutting in half of a perfect seven, which is a number that is frequently used in Daniel. And so the cutting in half of a perfect seven into three and a half means that something is limited. That's how three and a half functions in this sort of literature. And so we have a brief limited period that Jesus will be raised after three days and that the suffering of these people in Daniel chapter seven occurs for a brief period of time, times, and a half of time. When Jesus announces in Mark that it is written regarding the suffering of the Son of Man that leads to his death and resurrection. Jesus, unfortunately, does not tell us that passage that he is considering. But I think that Daniel chapter 7 is the strongest contender for this passage. And it further illustrates that the Son of Man is a title for a human being that represents the suffering human people of God. So, in conclusion, we have observed that when the Gospel of Mark portrays Jesus predicting the coming rejection, suffering, and death, he always frames it in terms of what is going to happen to the Son of Man. In fact, the majority of the Son of Man sayings in Mark fit into the category of descriptions of his coming suffering. For Mark, 
the terrible things that are going to happen to the Son of Man have already been written somewhere in the Hebrew Bible. We noted that while early Christians typically looked upon passages like Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, and Hosea chapter 6, the suffering Son of Man is curiously absent from them all. We also saw that Daniel chapter 7 is a highly plausible option for the passage Jesus had in mind when he stated that it was written that the Son of Man must suffer. In Daniel chapter 7, the one like a Son of Man, that is, a human being, is framed as the representative of the suffering people of God. The people are handed over into the hands of their oppressors, just as Jesus predicted that the Son of Man will be handed over into the hands of his oppressors. The suffering people in Daniel chapter 7 are worn down and are at war with their enemies, just as Mark's Son of Man was worn down to the point of death, dying as a martyr. The plight of the people of God in Daniel chapter 7, last a short period of time, and the death of the Son of Man lasts only a short three-day period. Furthermore, God intervenes and delivers the suffering people of God in Daniel chapter 7, later revealed in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 2 to be bodily resurrection, just as Jesus predicts that the Son of Man will be raised from the dead by God's intervention. The takeaway from the study is not simply that we can reasonably solve the puzzle regarding what passage Jesus had in mind regarding the suffering Son of Man. The real result is that Jesus saw himself, again, as the Son of Man who is the representative of human beings who suffer, die, and a promised resurrection from the Ancient of Days. This makes the Son of Man in Mark an authentic human figure who is mortal and who is distinct from God, distinct from the Ancient of Days. This conclusion is best described as a high human Christology rather than a Trinitarian or angelic Christology. Join us next week as we wrap up our series on what Son of Man means in Mark by looking at the final saying at Jesus' trial. Please consider supporting the Biblical Unitarian Podcast as it aims to promote the sound truths about the oneness and unity of God and the humanity of Jesus. You can check out this episode's description for a PayPal link. Thank you so much for joining us at the Biblical Unitarian Podcast. My name is Dustin Smith. Until next time, you folks take care.